You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Good Friday. Welcome to Locked On Balls. It is your team every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. For a special end-of-the-year financing on all the number one financial system for powering your growth. That is NetSuite bringing you today's Locked On Balls. couple of things. We're going to get all into the Music City Bowl. Uh, Tennessee Falls, final score 48-45 in overtime. As you can tell probably right now, my voice is still not back to 100%. No, I did not get into any trouble on Broadway in Nashville. Just a coincidence uh, that my voice kind of went out earlier this week. And when you're in the radio business, when you're in podcasting industry... Um, if you don't have a voice, you can't work. And so that was the excuse for uh, Thursday's show not being here. So I do want to apologize for that. I really hate it because it was game day. But here we are. I'm going to muscle through and I'm going to give you what I can here uh, for a Friday recapping everything that was the Music City Bowl. So I'm going to give you some general just you know, what I thought about the game, uh, some big takeaways here in segment one. In segment two, it was a record-breaking performance in a number of areas. We're going to go through all the records that were broken in this Music City Bowl in segment two. And then in segment three, I wanted to get some instant reaction right after the final uh, the final horn sounded after that game-winning four, uh, what was it, 31-yard field goal, whatever it was. So I grabbed the RTI crew who I was standing next to, Ryan Shumpert and Rick Butler, and I just kind of got their thoughts. And uh, we'll talk to more people throughout the weekend, and we'll continue to rehash this on Monday's episode as well. But uh, this is just instant reaction moments after the game is over. And again, my voice is not hoarse from partying in Broadway. It's just that time of the year, everybody. It's not COVID either, mind you. Uh, but just wanted to get that out there. All right, so Tennessee Falls, 48-45. A lot of frustration, right? My biggest takeaway, and I kind of talk with it with the guys here, and you'll hear it in segment three, is just kind of like, I, why did Tennessee lose this game? Tennessee had this game. Tennessee was in control of this game. It was 21-7 to the entire, the entire way in the first quarter. And then that second quarter lull happened. Tennessee was outscored 16 to nothing. Tennessee ran 20 plays for 60 yards or 22 plays for 60 yards, averaged a little less than two and a half yards per play and got no points. Whereas you had Purdue that ran 20 plays, got 160 yards, averaged well over seven yards per play and got 16 points out of it. Tennessee had that second quarter lull and kind of came out fighting there in the third quarter Scored a touchdown on that opening possession, got 10 points in the third quarter, but really it was just kind of the dips and didn't score a whole lot of touchdowns there until the end of the fourth quarter to force overtime and then ultimately fall 48-45. So for record-breaking performances, I thought Hendon Hooker was off a lot of the time. I thought Tennessee, to score 45 points in this football game, I thought Tennessee left a whole lot of points on the board. And that's just kind of crazy to even think about, right? I think you would agree with me. I think Hendon Hooker was off a lot of the night, right? thought he was off a lot of the night. Finished 26 of 41, 378 yards, five touchdowns, completing 63% of his passes. I thought he was still off. I thought those numbers could have been even better, if you know what I'm saying. But we'll get to some of the stats here and everything. We'll get to more of the record. But, you know, this was an offensive performance, okay? Tennessee had no... Alante Taylor, Tennessee was down. Brandon Turnage, who didn't play in this football game. So you had Warren Burrell. You had Kamal Haddon. You had Deshaun Rucker. Even Theo Jackson played a little bit over there corner in this football game. Corners were, were not great. The lack of speed at the safety position that has been evident all season long, it reared its ugly head, right? 
Um, that was evident in this Purdue passing attack that throws for about 340 yards a game. Well, uh, this Purdue passing attack threw for 534 yards on Thursday nights in a game where it didn't have David Bell, it didn't have Milton Wright, it didn't have a couple other uh, a couple others uh, that it used as weapons so far this season. So, in that respect, it's a little disappointing. I'm not trying to take anything away from Purdue, but we talked on the show that Purdue was very much shorthanded. Left tackle didn't play. Defensive tackle, Dean didn't play. Defensive end, All-American, George Carliftis didn't play. Uh, DeAndre Mackey, starting cornerback, didn't play in this football game. We mentioned the wide receivers. Purdue was very shorthanded, but it came to play. It got blown out. It got embarrassed in 2018 against Auburn. 63-14 or 63-20, something like that was the final score. It got embarrassed. It did not want to get embarrassed again. But it's still disappointing because Purdue was so shorthanded in this football game. Sure, Tennessee didn't have Cade Mays, and that was a problem. Right tackle was an issue all night long. Um, Tennessee did not have Alante Taylor. Clearly, the cornerbacks did not play well in this game. Deshaun Rucker was forced into action. Jeff Rom did a great job of going right after him, rolling the first play Deshaun Rucker was in there at corner. He rolled the pocket to the right, got man-on-man coverage. The safeties flew to the short side of the field, and you got Deshaun Rucker on, on, on man-to-man coverage there against one of the receivers, then just, it just torched him. So it doesn't mean that Deshaun Rucker can't play at this level, but I think it's just evident that he's not ready right now, and that, that's completely fine. But again, Purdue and Jeff Brown did a good job of recognizing that, taking advantage of that, and that was kind of what the theme of the night was. But let's run through some of these stats. It's disappointing because Tennessee was in control of this game. I thought it was going to be a route, especially when Purdue settled to kick a field goal to make it 21-10. to I thought this game was, by and large, over, right? But Purdue, one of the more potent passing attacks in the nation, you can never count them out. But nonetheless, here's how it went. The final stats, uh, Tennessee ran for, gosh, you can really hear my voice coming in there, guys. I'm sorry. I know this is painful to hear. I'm sorry. By Monday, Lord help me, my voice will be better. Total yards, Tennessee had 663 yards of total offense. Purdue had 627. Tennessee threw for 378. Purdue threw for 534. Tennessee ran the ball for 285 yards. Jabari Small, a quiet 180 yards on the ground with 26 carries. He had that longest 60 yards in the second half. Purdue only ran it for 93 yards. I don't even try to run the football. Uh, Tennessee was heavily penalized in this game, 14 for 128 yards. That was disappointing, but he got 30 first downs in this game. It averaged 6.4 yards per play, whereas Purdue averaged 7.7. Tennessee gave up, what was it, about five sacks in this game. Let's see, yeah, Hindenhooker was sacked five times. Uh, Tennessee did fumble one time. It was his only turnover, but Aiden O'Connell threw three interceptions. So, or excuse me, Tennessee gave up two sacks. I, I said five a minute ago, gave up two sacks. So those are some of the hard-pressing numbers. O'Connell, 26 to 47, 534, and five touchdowns, three interceptions. Hidden Hooker, 378, five touchdowns, 26 to 41. Jabari Small, 180 yards on 26 attempts. You had the hat trick of a game from Cedric Tillman, seven receptions, 150 yards, three touchdowns. Bayless Jones, 10 receptions, 85 yards and a touchdown. 71 yards from Pritzen Fan, who I didn't think had a very good game. But nonetheless, those are some of the eye-popping stats that were in this football game. You had Bryce Thompson, Brock Thompson, excuse me, that was injured going into this football game. They needed him to play because they didn't have any other wide receivers. He had a big day, seven receptions, 217 yards, and two touchdowns. So not a whole lot of defense in this game. So we're going to get to some of those record-breaking numbers in segment number two. It's a little disappointment. That's how I view it. What Josh Heupel said after the game, it's 
disappointed in the outcome tonight, not disappointed in the preparation to get there, not disappointed in the journey of what the season was, disappointed in how the outcome happened tonight. And I would agree with that. And we'll continue to unravel this. I'm going to watch the game over the weekend. I'm going to take notes. We'll hit it from different angles on Monday and Tuesday, and we will kind of tie a bow on the season. But I think the biggest way to summarize what the Music City Bowl was for Tennessee was it was a huge disappointment the way it ended because you did a lot good in this football game. You did a lot great this season. Just a little disappointing the way it ended, and obviously frustrating, especially when you think about the defense or the lack thereof. So we'll talk about some of those record-breaking numbers in segment two. But first, I want to remind you about the keynote sponsor for this podcast today. It is NetSuite. Uh, This is it. It's the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. If this is how you're running your business, poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software, to see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. So over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And for the new year, NetSuite is offering a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head on over to netsuite.com slash locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for powering your growth. netsuite.com slash locked. All right, guys, the college football playoffs, they start tonight. And you need to check out the ultimate college football playoff preview, uh, 2021 expert analysis, the most comprehensive guide to the college football playoffs. That is the college football playoff 2021 podcast. Check it out here today here on the Locked On Podcast channel. Again, this is Eric Kane trying to muscle through this episode. I didn't do an episode on Thursday because my voice, as you can tell, it's atrocious. I know it's hard to listen to. I apologize, but I wanted to try to give you something on a Friday and we'll hit it again on Monday And God, I hope my voice is better on a Monday because this is painful trying to get through. So I wanted to read you some of these. I read you some of the stats in the Music City Bowl. Of course, I gave you kind of my thoughts. Disappointment, obviously, you know, with the game, the way it ended in overtime, the officiating was horrific. I thought the Jalen Wright play, I just think it's, I understand forward progress. I do because especially when you slow it down. I can tell forward progress, but like the inconsistencies with the call is what frustrates me. If it's in the middle of the field, you're going to let that go. If an offensive lineman's pushing him, you're going to let that go. Okay? Why call that on the goal line with the game on the line? That's what I don't like. That's not, and again, in real time, he was stuffed short, but then on the replay, I saw him stretch the ball. And so I'm like, that looks like a touchdown. I get it. But then I heard they made the call for forward progress, and I, I get it. But again, it's the inconsistencies in the call because you wouldn't make that call at the 40-yard line. You just wouldn't. And how about forward progress has screwed Tennessee so much this year? I mean, it's kind of incredible, right? It's kind of incredible how much forward progress that call has screwed Tennessee this year. But nonetheless, that's my biggest takeaway from the play on the goal line. Obviously, Purdue gets it. They move on. They kick the field goal, and and that is that. that they win in overtime. Also, on the final possession there to try to try to win it there for the field goal that set up the 56-yarder to Chase McGrath, I thought I thought the play calling was awful. Now, the execution could have been better as well. I thought there was a mishold there for Cedric Tillman right down the middle of the field. Um, 
But I thought, you had three timeouts. Why on earth do you not attack the middle of the field? Tennessee never attacks the middle of the field. It should attack the middle of the field, attack the middle of the field, take your timeouts, and give Chase McGrath, who is two for four all time in his five-year college career, going back to USC, two for four all time at 50-plus, Okay, his longest 53, that was back in 2019. The guy just doesn't have a big uh, a big, a big leg. He just doesn't, right? Brent Maglia did. Chase McGrath is solid. He just can't hit anything. You know, once you get into the 40s, it starts getting you know, it's a little, little iffy, right? Should have helped him out more. Should have really helped him out more. But nonetheless, those are my biggest uh, bugaboos for this football game, if you want to call them that. And, of course, the way Tennessee defended or uh, lack thereof. Okay, here are some of the big notes on this football game that I just think is incredible. Saturday's attendance at Nissan Stadium, 69,489. That was a, a Music City Bowl record, obviously. Uh, Tennessee has been a part of the biggest games. And, you know, previously there was the 2010 game against Carolina. But 69,489. That 69,489, it is a Music City Bowl record that was set yesterday. The team captains were Matthew Butler, Paxson Brooks, Theo Jackson. Um, Tennessee with the loss moves to 29-25 in bowl games. Volunteers ranked 29, wins ranked 7th all-time among FBS programs, and it's 55 bowl appearances. That ranks 5th all-time. Okay, so here's some record-setting offense. With the two-yard touchdown run by Jabari Small in the first quarter, Tennessee set a new single-season record for points scored, surpassing the previous record of 484 points in 1993. With 45 points on Thursday, the Vols finished the season with 511 points scored on the season. Tennessee also set a new single-season record for touchdowns on the same play, surpassing the previous record of 63 set in 2016. With six touchdowns on Thursday, UT finished the season with 67 total. Tennessee posted 663 yards of total offense in the Music City Bowl. The Vols registered over 650 yards twice this season for the first time in program history after gaining 683 yards against Missouri on October the 2nd. Okay, Tennessee outscored Purdue 21-7 in the first quarter, improving its first quarter scoring margin to 190-51 on the season. UT led the nation in first quarter scoring entering the game, averaging 14.08 points in the first quarter. That's more than 2.5 points more than the second team, which was Georgia, averaging just over 11 points. All right, Hinton Hooker had a good game as well. He capped his record-breaking season with volunteers um, with new program records and passing efficiency at 182.01, completion percentage at 68.2. Um, he, also, he also finished in top 10 for single-season marks in the following categories. Total offense, 3,562 3, yards. That's fourth all-time. Passing yards, 2,945. That's 10th all-time. Passing touchdowns, 31. That's tied for third in a single season. Uh, consecutive games of the passing touchdown, that's 12, that's tied for third. And quarterback rushing yards, 617, that is third. All right, what about Cedric Tillman? Well, he had the hat trick on Thursday night. 150 yards receiving on Thursday, the redshirt junior Tillman became the first Tennessee wideout to eclipse 1,000 receiving yards in a single season since Justin Hunter, Justin Hunter had 1,083 yards in 2012, finishing the year with 1,081 yards. Tillman's 1,081 receiving yards are fourth most in single-season program history. He had a career-high three touchdown receptions in the Music City Bowl, finishing the season with 12 touchdown catches, putting him in a tie for second in program history with Cedric Wilson back in 2000. Okay, with the eight tackles for loss on Thursday, Tennessee finished with finished 2021 with a school record 102 TFLs 
under first-year defensive coordinator Tim Banks. Chase McGrath connected on extra points in 2021 season. He now holds the record for single-season made PATs with 66, passing Aaron Medley, who had 61 in 2016. McGrath didn't miss a point after it all this entire season. He's made 136 extra points in a row. What about Bayless Jones? He concludes his collegiate career with 2,991 kickoff return yards, the active kick return leader in FBS for the entirety of his super senior season. He wraps up his career 13th in NCAA history in kickoff return yards, passing Torrey Smith of Maryland. All right, here are the records for the Music City Bowl last night. Tennessee recorded 663 yards of total offense. That's a record. Hendon Hooker tied for the record touchdowns in a game with Jared Stenham and Aiden O'Connell. He had five. Bayless Jones Jr. posted 140-yard kickoff return yards. That's a record. Cedric Tillman had three touchdown catches. That's a record. Jeremy Banks had 20 tackles. That's a record. The 663 yards of total offense were the most of all his game in a bowl game, passing the 1997 Citrus Bowl when Tennessee had 523. The five passing touchdowns, the most in a bowl game, passing the 2010 Music City Bowl and the 97 Citrus Bowl with each having four. Okay, we'll skip on down here to a couple more. So here are some career highs and firsts. Individually, Bayless Jones, a new career high with 10 receptions in his final uh, game. Princeton Fant, a new career high with 71 receiving yards. He had a career-long reception of 58 yards in the fourth quarter. That came after a couple of drops. Cedric Tillman opened the scoring in the game with a 41-yard touchdown catch to cap UT's opening drive. Tillman has now caught a touchdown pass in seven straight games, setting a new single-season program record previously held by Joey Kent. The reception also tied a program record for consecutive games with a touchdown reception with Kent, who did so across two seasons. All right, and lastly, just a couple more. Okay, sophomore Jimmy Holiday. He said career high in kickoff returns with two and kickoff return yards of 43. Bayless Jones, again, 140 kickoff return yards. That's a Tennessee bowl game record and a Music City bowl game record. Chase McGrath passed 100 points scored this season after making six PATs and a 30-yard field goal. McGrath finishes the year with 102 points. That is tied for eight most in a single season in program history. All right, so those are a couple of the noteworthy things that Tennessee did in the Music City Bowl or because of what they did in the Music City Bowl. That is where they rank all-time in single-season lore uh, for Tennessee. So I wanted to read you some of those off there. Really, really interesting. Of course, the numbers were aplenty, especially offensively, uh, in this game. All right, when we come back, I will give you my conversation with the RTI crew, Ryan Chumpert and Rick Butler. But first, guys, it's a new year. That means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, made even better than a candy bar, in my opinion. Built Bar makes it easier to stick in your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good. You're going to want to eat it. And unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, honestly, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, is this really even worth it? And where's the chocolate? Well, let me tell you something. Built Bars are 100% real chocolate, but they only have about 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein compared to a candy bar that usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Okay, even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can get the eating right and the taste good part right with the Built Bar, okay? That way, you enjoy a delicious Built Bar that you can always count on as it is a workout. Here's the offer. Go to Built.com, use the promo code to get 15% off your next order. That promo code is LOCK15. 
So go to build.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCK15 for 15% off. It's at built.com. Now, boys and girls, we're almost through this. I know it's been painful to listen to. I can't apologize enough. Again, I would just skip today, but I'm not going to skip... Uh, you know, I'm not going to skip a morning after a game day whenever the, you get a, a weekday game day for football, right? That would just be horrible of me. So I'm sorry I sound like trash. We'll be better on Monday, but here it is. All right, uh, we will cap this uh, this episode with a conversation with uh, some of the guys I was standing next to on the sideline in the game, Ryan Shepard, Rick Butler. Those guys do great work at RTI. That's Rocky Top Insider. Uh, here is my conversation with those guys, kind of getting their thoughts immediately. I mean, we're talking like this was just minutes after the game was over. Uh, this is their thoughts. Here is my conversation with the RTI crew. Ron, I'll start with you. What was it, 48-45, the final overtime? Um, a lot to unpack from this football game. But in the end, I just kind of look back and say, did Tennessee really lose this football game? And, yeah, just like 2010, a little weird at the end, but here we are. Certainly, and, you know, as questionable as bad as I think that call was at the end of the game, Tennessee certainly had a lot of chances to win, starting with a one-minute drive at the end of the game where they had three plays where they really just needed 10 yards to get in a reasonable field goal range. They weren't able to do it. Had Valus Jones open for a touchdown. Cedric Tillman gets held on the deep ball the next play. So it's a lot of what-ifs in this game for Tennessee. Jeremy Banks drops an interception that could have been returned for a touchdown. But it's hard not to think that the biggest story of this game isn't going to be that call at the end and overtime and the forward progress and, and Jalen Wright being real short. Yeah, so in, in real time, I was like, okay, well, just another run up the middle. Tennessee's play calling on fourth and short, third and short is abysmal. Going all the way back to the Pittsburgh game, it's been yeah. the same thing all year long. Saw Jalen Wright get stuff short. Saw the replay. Saw him clearly not down. Stretched the ball over the goal line. And then it's just the inconsistency with forward progress. If that was in the middle of the field, you know, they, they, they would not have blown that dead. No. If a yeah. lineman is pushing him, they would not have blown that dead. Exactly. I mean, as Ryan was talking about earlier, you know, this is at a – that was at a critical point in the game. Fourth and one, overtime, you're, you're right there on the goal line. So it's not just, you know, on the on the 46-yard line and second down – or, excuse me, in, in the second quarter, something you can, I don't know, be a little bit more casual with. They, they needed to get this right. And, and, you know, as we've been talking about right here, it didn't necessarily feel like that was the right call in, uh, in the moment. Look at this game top to bottom. I mean, Hinton Hooker had – what five touchdown passes you know over you know probably around 400 yards passing I don't have the cheat in front of me there's so much to remember from this game but he was off tonight he was off in a big way you know it, it felt like so you go back to that second quarter right when Purdue outscored Tennessee Tennessee didn't did not get a single point on the scoreboard felt like there was frustration going on in the offense it felt like there was a little bit of frustration with Hinton Hooker and just kind of what he was able to do on the field and to your exact point I did kind of feel like that carried a carried over a little bit throughout the game who knows? Maybe that was just something that was tough to come back from when it mattered most at the end. Yeah, uh, Tennessee in quarter two after the great success in quarter one. It's been that way all season long. I totaled up the numbers. I think it was 22 plays for 60 yards, less than 2.3 yards per play, no points. And then you look at Purdue, they were averaging over seven yards per play. They uh, had got 16 points. And then Tennessee came out of the break punching the Jabari Small touchdown. But then from there, just kind of uh, up until the end of the ball game, it was just kind of the same of, of – kind of that second quarter lull but I think in the end when it comes down to it it's just a little bit too late and Purdue just kept swinging where they had a lot of their guys out but give Purdue credit they, they never quit in this game no doubt and as bad as that second quarter was for Tennessee if Hinton Hooker doesn't fumble that ball or strip sack and then Purdue score a touchdown 
I think your biggest takeaway from the quarter is how big Tennessee's defense was, holding Purdue to three in the red zone. I think that was a big story of the game and why Tennessee was able to, you say hang in there, Tennessee really probably should have won this game, but was able to stay really tight in a game where Purdue had a lot of opportunities to score in the red zone. So I think that was big. And then you mentioned the the offense kind of being stagnant in the third quarter. We talked about this on our breakdown, but I think there were more times tonight, you know, Tennessee's offense all year, it seemed like it was long touchdown drive, long field goal drive, not in time, but a lot of plays or maybe a big play or three and out. Tennessee had more drives tonight where they got two or three first downs and didn't score than I felt like they had all year. And there were a lot of them in the third quarter as the offense wasn't quite as stagnant as it was in that second quarter when it was awful, but they just they weren't in a rhythm. And like you said, Hinton Hooker just wasn't sharp. And man, it's how hilarious is it the growth of Tennessee's offense? A quarterback throws for five touchdowns, no interceptions, and over 300 yards and we're sitting here talking about how he wasn't sharp and it wasn't his best game i mean big picture here this game it doesn't mean anything in my opinion big picture but Mm -hmm. it is kind of what josh heupel said it's so disappointing because i mean you play your balls off out here you score 45 points you break all types of records you know a guy like theo jackson this is going to be his last college football memory so in that point it is disappointing but in my opinion this means nothing for the team coming back in 2022 it's just a sour way to end what a good year this was a great bounce back effort because i forgot who said it tonight but they said hey back in january we were lost it was theo jackson he said growth you know josh heupel got here put all the pieces together you've seen how good this team can be at times it's just a sour way to end it i guess yeah i'm exactly with you you know you look at the especially at the end of the game when you when we were at the the press conference and you saw cedric tillman and you saw hannon hooker and you kind of knew that hey i for as many things that happened during this game, those two guys are going to be back and they are going to be leading this Tennessee offense next year. You think especially about what they were able to do at the beginning of the year. Man, I think there are so many pieces that Tennessee can work with, really on both sides of the ball, but mainly speaking about the offensive side, that will that will really help going into next year. You're right. I, I don't I don't put a lot of weight, you know, into to the end of the season game like this. Yes, it would have been nice for Tennessee to win and for Josh Heupel to get that that and don't get me wrong, it, of the year. It's frustrating for fans. I get that because sure. this is the game Tennessee had, right? Sure. Yeah, and this is the game that people travel for, and you know, it's the big bowl game. It's it's everything going on. But I do think that there is going to be so much momentum going into next year. And now everybody around Tennessee, kind of opponents and people alike, they are they're going to be wary, you know, of what this Tennessee team now is compared to just saying, hey, you know, Josh Heupel's now at the at the helm of this team. What are they going to look like? Now people know exactly what Tennessee's going to look like, exactly what their what their style of football is going to be. Right, that's Rick Butler, Ryan Shepard. This is RTI. Check out their work, complete post-game reaction. They're, they cover every sport in Tennessee. They do a fantastic job. RTI, Rick Butler, and Ryan Shepard. And thank God that's going to do it here for a Friday episode. I'm so sorry I couldn't make this more better with the bills uh, with the bells and whistles. Uh, we'll get scoring plays for Monday. I'll give you even more of my thoughts after watching it, taking notes, and really digging down deep into what this Tennessee football game was. I get the frustration. Trust me, I do. Um, it's frustrating because Tennessee should have won this game. Purdue was shorthanded. Tennessee should have won this game because Tennessee had control of the football game. Tennessee should have won this game because it had a, a blown BS call there at the end. There's plenty of things we can point to. It is disappointing how this game ended, but uh, most of all, I think it's disappointing the way it ended because of what this season has meant for the program. I really, really do. Um, something I said in the VolQuest podcast after the, uh, the game, yeah, that's why my voice is just dogging it right now it was like this in that podcast too but Theo Jackson said growth that's one word and that's one thing he's going to take with him throughout the season is it was growth that you know that that's what this this season has been for him for this team for the program so I think he said it best right there and that's why tonight 
is so disappointing, right? So what happens there? We will attack what Tennessee needs to do, the top five things of the the offseason. We'll hit that next week. We'll talk more about the Music City Bowl. But as I record this, for the final time on a Thursday night in Nashville, Tennessee, at about 9.48 local time, Tennessee falls to Purdue in the Music City Bowl in overtime, 48 to 45. Guys, thanks so much for bearing with me. I know it was a challenge. We'll do it again on Monday. Thanks so much for always making Locked On Balls your first listen. Can't thank you enough, as always, for tuning in. You guys have a great rest of your Friday. Enjoy the weekend, and we're going to hit it strong on Monday here on Locked On Balls.